0: Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Welcome to Small Business Digest on Blog Talk Radio. Now entering its 5th year, this show is hosted by Don Mazzella, editorial director of Small Business Digest. Each week he brings you advice and information from experts and small business leaders like yourself. Each show is designed to provide one or two thought-provoking ideas from authors, experts, and small business leaders, just like most of the individuals who make up our audience. Whenever possible, Small Business Digest tests the products and services featured on the show to ensure they are of a quality to help listeners grow their small business. Guests do not pay to appear, but are chosen for their ability to provide ideas and suggestions to improve operations, expand marketing, reduce cost, enable better personnel management, and add profits. Remember, all of our shows are archived at www.blogtalkradio.com smallbusinessdigest. You can hear this show and all others at your leisure. If you like what you hear, tell others about the program. If you have a question or suggestion, email us at editor at is-incorp.com. Should you want to join us on this program during our live hour each Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, dial 646-929-2337. That's editor at is-incorp.com or 646-929-2337. We're only as good as our guest and audience make us.
1: Our first guest uh, today is someone I'm really looking forward to, and is, uh, Evan Poland, uh has a, a new best-selling book out, uh, uh, which he'll tell you about, and, and he also um, helps uh, professional uh, service companies uh, better market themselves. Evan, welcome to the program.
2: Hi, Don. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me on the show.
1: Well we're so glad to have you have uh, you. Evan, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your background personally, et cetera, uh, about your book and your website.
2: Sure. So uh, a little bit about my background before I get into my business. I, I have a non-traditional background for what I do. I have a uh, undergraduate degree in psychology and sociology and a master's degree in social work, and I did some professional mental health counseling. Before getting into the consulting business that I'm in now, Um, I'm currently president of a company called the training resource group Sandler Training um, and just wrote a book called Selling Professional Services the Sandler Way Uh, and for me it was a non-traditional way to get into training and consulting Uh, but I think my background really helped me because a lot of what we do with our clients is behavior modification and helping them to kind of move out of their comfort zone, to do different things, to get the results that they're looking for. So I found, even though it wasn't a a plan and it wasn't on purpose, that my mental health background has really helped my clients um, in my consulting work.
1: Well, you know, someone once told me that the the real role of a consultant is mental health, uh, and they they well maybe right, and you maybe uh, prove the point. But my first question to you is: um, first, what are the differences between selling a professional service and and selling uh, widgets?
2: So, and I think think that's a great question. And I think what it really comes down to when you're selling professional services is it comes down to credibility. Uh, if you're selling a widget, if you're selling a good product, it doesn't really matter who's selling that product. As long as the product performs, uh, you're going to have customers. When you're selling professional services, you're selling air. And what you're really selling is yourself. So when you come across and meet people, if you're not coming across as credible, Uh, If you're not coming across as really a business advisor and an expert in what you do, you're going to have a really hard time convincing people to work with you. So I, I think that's what it really comes down to is that first piece is really crucial, which is coming across as an expert, really talking about the problems that you solve and focusing on your client versus just relying on that product. And relying on the performance of the product to make this out for
0: you
1: well well let's break that down a little bit uh because it's fat um it's fascinating to me um i spent part of my life uh, being a, a consultant in a small business area uh, and uh, um, i'm afraid uh, looking back i i made the mistake of acting like the expert instead of first asking the client what does the client need. Now, uh, it, uh, where do uh, how do you begin, or how do you suggest uh, a professional go about uh, when when he or she meets a new a potential new client?
2: I think the biggest thing that folks need to focus on is you need to focus on who you're talking to and how you might be able to help them in the problems that you can solve. Uh, one of the sayings that we have is that everybody listens to the same radio station, uh, and that radio station is called WIIFM, which stands for What's In It For Me. And if you can identify the wisdom for the person that you're talking to and really focus on how what you do might be able to help them solve a problem, whether in my world it's helping them with how do you get in front of more opportunities or you know, are you frustrated because you're not closing as many deals as you would like, and really talking about that versus talking about all of the sales training modules I have and what I do in the coaching. Um, sometimes we'll work with a lot of law firms, accounting firms, and a lot of times when they're talking to potential clients, they go in with this huge pitch book, which is all about them and their experience and talks very little to what the client's needs are and asking questions about what the client's looking for. And the sooner you can make that switch and know that it's not about you, but it's not about the client and have that mindset and start to ask the right questions to identify what the needs are. That's where you're really going to start to have some success.
1: Well, there you hit it on the nail as far as I'm concerned. When someone comes in as a consultant, all they do is show me what they've done uh, rather than ask me what I need. You, you're so right on that point. Uh, I, I've seen it time and time again. Uh, uh, again. But um, uh, for, well, first, uh, before we go further, tell us the name of your book and where people can get it.
2: So I, I appreciate the plug. Uh, the name of the book is Selling Professional Services the Sandler Way, where nobody ever told me I'd have to sell. Um, and if people go on to Amazon and um, search Selling Professional Services the Sandler Way or search my name, uh, Evan Poland, or my partner's name, Chuck Poland, uh, that book will come up and you can either get a hard copy of the book or uh, download it for Kindle.
1: Um, uh, Poland, sp- spell out Poland.
2: Poland is P as in Peter, O L I N like Nancy. Um,
1: okay, it's very important um, uh, uh, in, in radio, but let's get back. Uh, let's get uh, uh, back to this because uh, uh, I find it important. Someone told me early in my career that you're selling, uh, whether you're in business, out of business, professional, et cetera, You're selling every day of your life and that the really successful people are those who sell themselves uh, all the time. Uh, uh, Do you subscribe to that and how do you help uh, a professional uh, develop sales techniques?
2: So I I do do agree with that, whether you're, um, if you're single, you're you're selling a potential date on yourself, Uh, you're you're selling a spouse or or a child on what you'd like them to do, you're selling something internally you are always selling and communicating with other people uh, and a large part of sales is communication. And with the professionals that we help, I think the biggest change in mindset they need to make is that selling is not that stereotypical used car sales, that stereotypical insurance sales where give me the names and phone numbers of five of your best friends and I'm going to go and pitch it for half an hour. I think in today's world, the first thing that folks need to do is change that mindset and again, keep in mind that your product or your sell or service helps certain people in different situations and your job is to go out there and find someone who you can help. And if somebody's not interested, that's okay. That's not an indictment on you. People aren't working with you because of your values, your morals, your ethics, a lot of sales and business development, is a matter of going out there and searching for people and separating them into one or two categories. Someone who doesn't have a need for your business, and that's okay and we can't take it personally when that's the answer, or someone who we can help. And then it's a matter of how you present yourself when you're in front of that person who you might be able to help. And really thinking about yourself as someone who can help and help solve problems versus I'm trying to peddle some kind of product or service.
1: Well, um, well, let me ask you, um, um, uh, I have a lot of questions to ask you because you're a fascinating guest. But um, one of the things uh, I've noticed is you may have a a time schedule, but potential clients have their own time schedule. And um, uh, it's sometimes difficult to uh, to sit back and wait uh, and to um, uh, go to their timeline rather than yours. Do you have any comment on that?
2: Sure. I find that when people in sales, when business owners run into that issue, their biggest problem isn't when their clients want to make a decision. Their biggest problem is they don't have enough opportunities in the pipeline. So if you only have a couple of new business opportunities in the pipeline, you're going to be a lot more desperate to close each one. And if you try to force something, if the prospect has told you that their time frame is third quarter, but you really need the sale now. The fact that you really need the sale now isn't going to make the difference in how and when they make their decision. And if you push and push and push them, you may push away a a really good prospect. So it's important to ask good questions to identify how and when somebody's going to make a decision, whether or not they're really interested or is telling you that they're putting things off just the nicest and most polite way to tell you no, and they're hoping that you're going to go away. But again if a prospect is really qualified in real world there's a reason they're making the decision in q3 or q4 then you can't push them your job is to go out and prospect more and have 50 opportunities in the pipeline so that you're not desperate for this one opportunity to close when you need it to close uh, because that's when you can get yourself into a lot of trouble so again i find When I talk to clients who have an issue that these one or two clients aren't ready to close when they want them to, the real problem is they really need three times as many things in their pipeline. Uh, But a lot of times, people are uncomfortable going out and prospecting, and that's the hardest part of selling. So they'll go back and continue to pressure the people that they have in their pipeline rather than going out and looking for additional opportunities.
1: Hmm. Well, uh, let's uh, back up. I'm a new potential client. I, I come to you. I'm, I'm a lawyer in a 10-lawyer in a co- company, and we, we come to you and say, you know, uh, uh, we're, Evan, we're simply not getting enough new cases. What, what can we do? What are the three or four questions you first ask them uh, uh, that you want answers to that they should have answers to?
2: What I might start by asking them is, you know, tell me a little bit about what, what's been happening, what's been going on. Um, the fact that you don't have as many cases as you like, is that because only one or two of you are going out looking and looking? You need four or five additional people on the farm to go out and start to prospect for new opportunities? Is it that you're in front of a lot of opportunities and just not as many of those opportunities are converting into new business? But can you tell me a little bit about why you think some of those problems are happening, and start to get the prospect to share with you where they're coming from and what their issues are, versus me making an assumption that well, geez, the last two law firms I worked with had this problem, so let me just start asking questions, assuming that you have the same problem that they did.
1: Mm-hmm. So, um, so, and then uh, if
2: it, and, I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: No, you first. You're the guest.
2: Okay. So, you know, and and as I ask them questions, I I will start to identify, um, is it an issue where um, they're just not doing it? Is it an issue where they're doing it but it's not working? If they're not doing it, then I need to start to test their commitment. Is it something that they're just complaining about, and if I had a magic wand and could make the problem go away, that they'd be happy with that? are they willing to commit some time and effort and willing to commit to making a change to do something about the problem um and asking some of those questions up front will help me determine how real a prospect that that opportunity is
1: Uh, evan we have to stop here for um, a brief moment to hear from one of our sponsors and then we'll be right back
3: at valero we believe life gets lived between every fill up So whether you go down the road on two wheels or four, whether your Wednesday night is spent racing to the grocery store or down a track, and whether you're dropping off the mail, the pizza, the kids, or all of the above, we're here to make sure you're never running on empty. Valero top-tier certified quality fuel keeps your engine running cleaner, better, and longer. Find a station near you at ValeroCleanGas.com.
1: We're here with Evan Poland. he's uh, he's the author of a new book, Selling Professional Services, The Sandler Way. Um, and we're having a fascinating con- conversation about uh, how pro- uh, professionals can better sell their services. Uh, Evan, let me ask you, uh, we've, we've talked about um, a law firm, but there's other professionals, uh, for instance, uh, of advertising or, uh, uh, well, more importantly, coaching and uh, management consultants, what are the some of the unique uh, uh, problems they face and how do they solve them or how do you so- help them so, solve them?
2: So I think for a lot of them, the biggest challenge is how do we get in front of potential opportunities in the first place? So, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about a a seven-step sales process, but if you're not in front of an opportunity and not having a conversation with a prospect, it doesn't matter how good your sales process is. So for a lot of those folks, the biggest challenge we find is they have a number in their head in terms of how much business they'd like to do, but they really don't have an idea of how many engagements they need to close and what their average engagement's worth how many potential opportunities they need to be in front of. And we find the number one thing that's lacking is those professionals having a sales plan to determine exactly how they're going to get in front of the opportunities so that they have so that they have the ability to close the business. So for us, a lot of times the very first step that we take when working with clients is really helping them figure out and we call it a sales cookbook really helping them figure out how much business they want to do and then how much activity do they need to do. And then once we figure out how many people they need to touch, breaking that down to figure out out of 25 different sales prospecting things people could be doing from cold calling to networking to asking for referrals to using LinkedIn, which combination of activities is going to work the best to get that person in front of who their ideal target clients are. Uh, but if you don't have a sales plan in place and if you're not in front of opportunities, then everything else is going to fall apart.
1: Hmm. Well, how, well let's, let's talk for consultants. So how, how are some of the ways that you can increase the number of, of, of uh, potential clients you see? Uh, do you go to shows? What, what types of things work best for professionals?
2: So what we find works best is first leveraging your current contacts. So who are your clients? Who are your former clients? Who do you belong to professional associations with? Um, And we know that if you can get a referral, that referral turns into business about 50% of the time. So we typically start by asking people to look at who's in their world, who do they have relationships with, And reaching out and asking for referrals and introductions Um, there's an attorney that I'm working with right now was getting some a couple of referrals but not enough Um, we had him go through and identify all of his best contacts he's now reaching out to three to five people a week and having two meetings a week with people specifically to ask for referrals and in three in three months his law firm practice had been around for ten years had increased by about 25 percent um outside of that we'll suggest people utilize tools like linkedin to be able to research and find out who they want to be able to get in front of and to send messages out to get in front of them belonging to a professional associations and trade shows and the key with that is not going to places where all of your colleagues are but going to places where your prospects are And again, if you've got clients who belong to those professional associations, sometimes going as a guest of that client who will often introduce you around. And those are some of the warmer things that you can do. We have some clients who will do letter campaigns, making cold calls, Um, and really what we like to do and what each individual should do is really think through who they want to be in front of and then put together a plan. Um, because we find even within the same firm or within the same company that we work with, a senior person is going to have a different plan than a junior person. Someone going after large opportunities is going to have a different plan than somebody going after small opportunities. So it's really taking a hard look at first who are your prospects and who you want to get in front of, and then looking at a combination of the warm activities like asking for referrals and the colder activities like using LinkedIn or making cold calls, to help you to get in front of the people you want to get in front of. And the other key, and this is sometimes really difficult for consultants, is being consistent. Yes, you need to do the work, but if you're focused on just getting a client project done and you don't do any prospecting activity, then there's not going to be any opportunity and you're going to be starting all over again once you finish that project. So it's a matter of even if you've got limited time and some of the attorneys and accountants and consultants that we work with, we really have two to five hours a week for prospecting, you need to make sure you're doing that even if you're busy so that you're constantly adding new opportunities to your sales funnel.
1: Well, I have several questions. I'll start with one. Um, uh, uh, Oftentimes uh, 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 some people are reluctant to uh, go, go to friends and associates and ask them for a referral. How do you help them overcome that?
2: That's a great question, and before I talked about moving out of your comfort zone, that's the number one thing that we find our clients need to move out of their comfort zone first is that discomfort, asking for referrals and instructions. Uh, What I will normally do is share with people two things. The first question that I'll ask the people who have that issue is I'll ask them, I might say, you know, if you had someone who came to you and you had a really good relationship with them, and they asked you if you could help them, and you had a good experience with them, and you had a good relationship with them, would you try to help them? And 98 out of 100 times, the answer is yes. Well, of course, I would try to help you if we had a good relationship and if I could help you. And then the question I'll ask to my professionals is, well, if you felt that way about other people, why do you think it would be any different when you asked other people for help? And then people start to get it. They start to realize that oftentimes when other people ask them for help, they feel good about helping someone else. Um, And they start to realize that it's no different if they ask someone else for help. Uh, And that's the first thing that we kind of start to coach them through to get over that hurdle. The other thing that we tell folks is I never want to ruin a current relationship in the hopes of getting a referral or an introduction. So when I'm asking for referrals, when I coach my clients to ask for referrals, I'm coaching them to ask, do you mind if I ask you a question? If I'm pressing too much, if you're uncomfortable, please let me know and we'll drop the conversation. So we make it easy for somebody to tell us that they're not comfortable giving us a referral. Um, And we find that that makes a lot of people comfortable when they realize that you don't have to go in there and get somebody to write down five names and phone numbers of their friends. And then the other thing that we'll coach people with when it comes to asking for referrals is we'll coach them to basically share with the person they don't want to make them feel look bad. So I might say, hey, Don, I, I really appreciate your help in, asking, in, in being open to giving me a referral. Can you do me a favor because the last thing I want to do is make you look bad or have one of your contacts wonder why you're having me give them a call? Don, would you mind reaching out to that person? telling them a little bit about how we know each other and seeing if they'd even be open to taking my call. And if they're not open to taking my call, that's perfectly fine. I don't want to call and bother one of your contacts who wasn't interested in speaking with me. Um, and that way, two things. I know one selfishly from my perspective, if you reach out to someone for me and that person agrees to take my call, there's a much better chance that they're going to take my call when I call or return my phone call. And, two, it gives you the comfort level that I'm not going to harass one of your contacts and make you look bad. And we find that when we start to walk people through the proper way on how to ask for referrals, they start to become a lot more comfortable with the concept.
1: Well, let me ask you um, a, qu- a question in this vein, which uh, it just came across my desk, uh, my uh, my email, so I'll ask it but but is there seems there seems to be a generational problem that older people seem willing to do this but younger people seem somehow adverse to it have you seen this or is this uh, this email uh, all wet
2: i think there are some generational differences but i think people do too much stereotyping by saying No young person's willing to do this, or all older people do it this way. Um, When I'm asking for referrals, I'm doing it in a way that's most comfortable for my client. So I'll ask my client if they're willing to make a call, and if they say no, I'd rather send an email. Well, me getting that email introduction is better than not getting an introduction at all. So when I'm in my sales role, I need to be a little bit of a chameleon, and I need to work with people in a way that they're going to be comfortable with but if I tell somebody who's a straight email person that they need to make a phone call for me, they're never going to do it, and I'm never going to get that referral. Mm. So part of what I need to do is ask questions, is be sensitive to how other people want to communicate, and then it's my job to communicate with them in a way that makes them most comfortable.
1: Um, uh. uh Evan, can you hold one minute? We, we have to do a, another commercial, and then, and then we'll right back. You're, you're so fast, and I'd like to keep it a little longer. Do you mind?
2: Not at all.
3: Life. It's made up of the simple day-to-day moments that keep us all running on full. Full of joy, passion, and restlessness. It's singing full-on to your car radio with the windows wide open. It's a whole bunch of early morning rush hours and a few late-night runs for Rocky Road. It's full of pit stops and drive throughs It's life, and we live it between fill-ups at Valero. Valero top-tier certified quality fuel keeps your engine running cleaner, better, and longer. Find a station near you at ValeroCleanGas.com.
1: We're here with Evan Poland. He's um, a, a fascinating consultant who has a new book out, Selling Professional Service, The Sandler Way. Uh, or, I love this, nobody ever told me I had I have to sell. I, I love that because because it's so true. But uh, having said all that, um, uh, let me ask another question. I, uh, I go to a trade show, and I, sometimes I see um, uh, Uh, lawyers are there or consultants are there in a booth. And and most of the time they're sitting down. Um, Do you have any uh, suggestions on what to do at a booth? Uh, Well, not only for professional services, but I I really think that uh, uh, many people just simply do not know what to do when there are booths at a trade show. What are your thoughts on that?
2: So I I would agree completely that that's one place where companies miss a huge opportunity is they don't work trade shows properly. Um, So I would actually take a step back. And before going to the trade show, what I'm trying to do is get a list of attendees or get a list of exhibitors. And before I ever leave my office, a month before the trade show, I'm reaching out to people through email, through phone calls, and I'm trying to schedule meetings with people before I ever get to the trade show, uh, because me, I'm just not very lucky, and the chances of an ideal prospect stopping by or me walking into the right person aren't very good. So if I can schedule meetings before I ever get out there, and when I go to a trade show, I may have three breakfasts, one at seven, eight, and nine, and then scheduling for people to meet me at my booth or for me to meet them at their booth. Uh, But if I can schedule eight or 10 meetings before I ever go to the trade show, I'm going to be way more productive um, than just going there and showing up and hoping for the best. Uh, When I'm at the trade show, we just had a client uh, last week who was at a trade show. Uh, They did not heed our advice, and they did not reach out to people beforehand. And they realized it too late, and they were desperate. So at our suggestion, they got a popcorn machine. um, Cost them $1,000 to rent over the course of the show. um, And they put a popcorn machine right in front of their booth. Um, There were about 80 exhibitors, and their booth was the most crowded, with people coming over to get the free popcorn, and then their salespeople being able to talk to them while they're over at the booth. Um, And then the other thing that we like to do besides doing something, and the other thing we like to do is have some kind of nice giveaway, which will then give people a reason to drop their business card so that now you can capture the data of everybody that drops by your booth. And then the last thing we need to do is have enough people at the show where not only are there at least one or two people at the table, but that there's one or two people from my organization walking the show and proactively going up to different booths and proactively going up to people in the hallway so that I'm not just relying on the foot traffic to my booth, but that I'm proactively going out and talking to people at their booths. And you should never be sitting down behind your booth you should always be standing in front of your booth, not sitting down behind it.
1: I couldn't agree more, but, uh, you know, you sit, uh, particularly uh, lawyers, uh, I was at the medical marijuana convention last uh, uh, last week, and there were four lawyer groups there, and every one of them were sitting down. And I, I, I it just boggled my mind, so... Uh, uh, I'm just and, really, and uh, the
2: other thing I would suggest is that they also had the wrong people from the from there. You you need to have people there who want to be there, and not people who are being forced to be there because they're either going to sit behind the booth or they're not going to be very friendly. What um, once they are out in front and talking to folks.
1: Oh, uh, uh, can we jump to another subject, which is the elevator speech? which I, um, I was always taught was very important, something that summarizes who and what you are. Do you believe in that, or um, what are your thoughts on that?
2: I, I absolutely believe in the elevator pitch in our vernacular. We call it the 30-second commercial. Uh, and Actually, in the book, there is an enti- entire chapter. Uh, chapter 10 of the book is completely devoted to the 30-second commercial, Um, The key with the 30-second commercial is to engage the other person. Um, The analogy I like to use with the 30-second commercial, it's like a resume for somebody looking for a job. The resume is never going to get the person the job, but it's going to get the potential employer interested enough to want to bring that person in for the interview. What we're looking to accomplish with the 30-second commercial is get somebody interested enough in what you do to want to talk to you for the next five minutes. So in our 30-second commercial, we're talking about the problems that we solve. So, again, rather than spouting off about all of my services, what I'm telling people when I meet with them is I help business owners who are frustrated because they're just not closing enough business. Um, What they tried in the past just isn't working as well as it used to in terms of getting in front of new opportunities. A lot of folks that we talk to are really frustrated because the sales cycle is just getting longer and longer, and they're disappointed because they're not getting the margins they used to get, which of those issues are you running into? And I like to end my 30-second commercial with an open-ended question, which kind of forces the conversation, and the other person will either share with you which of those problems that they're running into and you're on your way, or if they share with you that they're not running into any problems at all, I may ask one or two follow-up questions, and if there's still no interest, disqualify that person and then move on to the next one. Uh, But I I think it's really important to have that 30-second commercial locked and loaded. You shouldn't have it memorized, but you should know what are three or four or five of the problems that you solve for your potential clients, and you should be able to, almost in your sleep, be able to talk about the problems that you solve for your clients.
1: Okay. Joe, uh, I think I could go on and on. Uh, Evan, I, I think we could go on and on, but unfortunately we're getting close to the end. Uh, your book again and how people uh, can uh, find it and how they can find you. What's your website, et cetera?
2: Sure. So again, one more time, the book is Selling Professional Services the Sandler Way, where nobody ever told me I'd have to sell. Uh, my name is Evan Polin. Uh, my business partner, and ours is a family business. My father's name is Chuck That's Polin. That's P O L I N. You can go on to Amazon.com and get either a uh, softback of the book, or you can download it for Kindle, or you can go on to Sandler.com. That's www.sandler.s-a-n-d-l-e-r.com. Dot dot Go to books and order the book off of the Sandler website.
1: Well, Evan, thank thank you so much uh, for joining us today. Uh, I I hope um, uh, our audience was as fascinated as I was by this. And uh, really, thank you again.
2: And thank you very much for having me on the program.
3: Before you hear this, or this, or even this. Before you turn a key, step on the gas, and let it rip. Before you get up and out and on the road, you have to be fueled by something. Make sure that something is Valero. Valero top-tier certified quality fuel keeps your engine running cleaner, better, and longer. Find a station near you at ValeroCleanGas.com.
0: Thank you for listening. We will be back next week with other guests invited to help you, our audience, improve operations, expand marketing, reduce cost, enable better personnel management, and add profits. Remember, all of our shows are archived at www.blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. You can hear this show and all others at your leisure. If you like the show, tell others about it, Want to make a comment or be a guest? Email us at editor at is-incorp.com. Your host was Don Mazella, editorial director of Small Business Digest. Until next time, keep faith with the ideals that made America great, and remember small business is still the backbone of commerce.